0: Well, I pray that you are blessed. We are so glad to be here with you today, to worship with you. It's exciting. Would you agree? Listen, anytime we take the opportunity to make a space, to carve out time in our lives for God, for his word, for the truth, not for my opinion, for his word, it's a good thing. Great things happen. And so today we are going to be diving into the second installment of our series. But before we do that, how many of you are expecting something from God today? How many of you believe that God has something that He wants to speak directly to you? If you believe that, then let's declare this together. Say this. Whoa, I got so excited. I was about to choke on my saliva. (coughs) Say this with me I have ears to hear, I have eyes to perceive, and I have a heart that's ready to understand and receive the living Word of God. Now, come on. Now, give it up for God. Give it up for God's Word. So last week, we started a new series entitled, I'm in, I'm in. And what we're doing in this series is we're diving into God's word and we're studying what it means to be in the body of Christ, in the body of Christ. Now I want to ask you something. If you believe in Jesus Christ, I want to ask you this question. Are you in the body of Christ? Now for many of us, we would say yes, but let me ask you, what does that mean? What does that mean? How is that impacting your life? Last week, we learned that in Christ, we are invited to take our rightful seat at his table, that there is an invitation to each and every one of us, not just you, believer, but you who don't know Christ, you who have questions, you who've been hurt in the church. We have an invitation to find belonging in God's kingdom as sons and daughters. Today we're continuing our series with our discussion on the topic, I'm Invaluable. I'm Invaluable. Now if you believe that, say this with me, I'm Invaluable. Now if you believe that, now you say it for yourself. I'm Invaluable. invaluable. Now listen, those words just easily roll off the tongue, I'm Invaluable. But let me ask you a question, are those words seeping into your heart? Are they impacting how you see yourself, and more importantly, are they impacting you to such an extent that they're producing something not just in your life, but through it, but through it. So have you ever stopped to consider how the value of something you own determines how you treat it and what you do with it? Have you ever done that? You ever done that? For example, did you guys hear about the new iPhone that came out? It's the iPhone 13. Now, I know for some of you, you're going, wait, I just heard there was a 12. Well, I got the 13. And what I'm not understanding is why it isn't being broadcasted in the news. Why people don't know about it? I'm wondering why I'm the only one who has it. The only reason why I'm carrying it is because they haven't made a case for it yet. They haven't made a case for it yet. Now, see, you're laughing. And I just wanted to use this as an analogy because the truth is this, that you already know this is not an iPhone 13. It is not. It's a rotary phone of all things. It's an old school phone. And the thing about it is this, that in this day and age, the rotary phone is not very valuable. How many of you have one in your home? My case in point. It's not important to you. You're not interested in it. Now, the thing about it is that it doesn't add value to your life. The value of the rotary phone has diminished today to such an extent because we've found more value in the increased power and ability that what we call smartphones, what they do in our lives, right? Now, in the same way, and here's the thing, I can guarantee you that each and every one of you, or or practically everyone, if you just look around you, has one of these. And we keep them close. We keep them real close, right? If you're like me, this phone is not just connected to your head. It's connected to your watch. It's connected to your computer. We have this drive to stay connected to this because we value the information that we can access because we value the ability that it gives us. And I got a question for you. What would your life look like? What could the church look like? if we understood the value that we hold and what it adds to the world we live in. Now that's important to consider. We have to reckon this with this because the truth is that for many of us, we don't truly understand not only that we are invaluable, we don't understand the value that we add to those around us. So the first thing I want to say to you is this, is that you are valuable. As a matter of fact, Let me correct that. You are invaluable to God as a part of his body. Listen to what the scriptures say about your value. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says this, even as he chose us, who did the choosing? He did, right? God did. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. So God looks at you, God looks at me, God looks at mankind, and we live in a world in a day and age where we judge people and we ascribe value to people based upon what they do, based upon how they behave, based upon what they've been through, based upon what they look like, and God says this, before the foundation of the world, I saw the value in you and I chose you. See, you're chosen, just like everyone else, whether you believe in Jesus or Or you don't. Whether you've chosen Jesus or not, here's what you need to know. God has chosen you because you are valuable. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God shows his love for us. So there's a demonstration of God's love that many people aren't aware of. God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, when we did not have a value, God said, you are valuable. That's that's powerful. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 says this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called, listen to this, children of God, and so we are. You know why I love this verse so much? I was reflecting on this recently. I got a buddy of mine named Todd, who's down in uh, North Carolina, and I didn't know this about him. He has a large family. I didn't know this about him until recently. Many years ago, him and his wife came across a family that had five kids. And I don't know the full details, but for whatever reason, these kids could no longer be with their parents, and they were going to separate them. And Todd and his wife looked upon these children, and they said, those are our children. It wasn't based upon what they looked like. It wasn't based upon what they brought to the table. They said, I can love those children. They didn't adopt these children, they accepted them as their own. And I'm going to tell you why that's powerful, because oftentimes we don't understand what the scriptures say when God says that he has called us his children. God looks at you as his own, no matter where you are, no matter what stage of life you are, no matter what you're going through, God has chosen you and he calls you his child. And here's what I love about 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says that we should be called children of God, and watch this, and so we are. You are. Jeremiah 31, 3, the second half of it says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know how long everlasting is? It's beyond our concept of time. Think about this. You try and measure God's love There's no measurement That equates to his love for you I have loved you with an everlasting love Therefore I have continued My faithfulness to you In all this expense Of everlasting time God has continued In this one thing I'm faithful to you I love you See your value Do you know your value Do you understand the immeasurable worth of your value, and this is important to consider because if we did, you and I would understand how much he values us in the body of Christ, and more importantly, the difference that we can make as a part of it, as a part of it. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 22, very familiar passage of scripture, says this, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, that simply means people that were chosen initially, his, his chosen people the Jews, and Greeks, people who aren't Gentiles, people who want nothing to do with God, who knew nothing about God. So that qualifies all of us. It says slaves or free. Everyone qualifies and were all made to drink of one spirit. Listen to this. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were near, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, listen closely, this is what God says, this is how it is. This is the truth. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I want you to see that every single part, every single one matters. Every single part of the body in the body matters. Does it matter how small or large your role is? Does it matter what you believe or what you see? Listen closely. What's most important is what God says about you. You bring value to the body. Our place as a part of the body is not for the purpose of serving ourselves. That's what we see here. It's not for serving ourselves. Notice that the scriptures say that as each part does its own part. As each part. So, see, not only are you invaluable, you bring invaluable worth to the life of another. I'm gonna say that again. Not only are you invaluable, but you bring invaluable worth to the life of another. I like to think of it this way In my hand, I have a $20 bill. $20 bill, right? Not much money, but it holds some value. I mean, you can go get yourself some lunch with this, right? And so this bill means nothing and does nothing unless you spend it on something you deem valuable to you. So I'll give you an example of this. For many of us, you might have some sort of monetary value in your pocket, in your purse, in your wallet. Let me ask you a question. What is it accomplishing right now? Nothing. It is doing nothing. Watch how value works. When I understand the value of what I have, and I take that value and I invest it into something, into someone, I say that's valuable enough for me to take what is mine and is valuable and ascribe that value to something so that I can see something happen with it. All of a sudden, value is released. Value is working. Enjoy something on me. That's for you. I want you to think about this. Do you understand the value that God has ascribed to you that way? Let me take it a step further. Are you doing something with the value that God has ascribed to you? By depositing it into another. You know, today I'd like to point our attention to the parable of the Good Samaritan. We're not going to go into all all of it, but I want to give you some background and I'll just quickly read it. I want to make a point and then move on to some actionable steps that we can take. This, This parable came about by way of a conversation that Jesus was having with a religious leader. Jesus was teaching... And whenever Jesus was teaching, there was a bunch of people checking him out, including people who really believed they had it together. They were looking for a chink in his armor. They were looking to knock him down, so to speak. They were looking to, to invalidate his message. And in this particular encounter, uh, this one of these religious leaders, the scripture says that he's an expert in the law. In other words, he was an expert when it came to religious matters. He was someone that everybody looked to as a model for what it meant to be a servant of God. And so this guy comes to Jesus and, you know, he's in the midst of this conversation. He says to Jesus, Jesus, how does one go about, how do I go about inheriting the kingdom? How do I go about partaking of the kingdom of God? And the scriptures say that Jesus says to him, well, you know the law. What does it say? And he says, love God and love people is basically what he says. And Jesus says, you've said well. He says, actually what he responded was love love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you've said well. You've interpreted the law well. And so then he asked Jesus a question really with an underlying tone, an underlying uh, 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 agenda to challenge him, right? To come against him, to disprove him, to discredit him. And he says and who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And what's interesting is that Jesus responds with a parable. A parable is simply that it's a fictitious fictitious story used to bring to light a true reality from the kingdom of God. Something that is applicable and true from the heart of God. And so he responds to him in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37, by saying this. It says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and they went away, leaving him half dead. And a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. That word pity there means compassion. He went went to him and bandaged his wound. He poured, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. innkeeper. And listen to what he says. He says, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, I got to point your attention to a few things about this before we move on. What I want you to see is that this is a story, a fictitious story in the middle of a Jewish culture. Jesus is speaking to Jews, to Hebrews. And here's why this is interesting, because he's speaking to Hebrews and he's elevating a Samaritan in a story that relates to. To Hebrews quick quick you know just some fun facts Hebrews and Samaritans did not get along now here's what's interesting they believed in the same God but they believed differently in every other respect how you worship you know what makes you right with God and how you how, how, where you where you're supposed to worship and so these people were people in contention and the people in this story, I want you to consider we're in direct opposition to one another. The Samaritan is an enemy. He does not belong in this story. And for those of you who've been here a while, maybe I've alluded to this at some point relating to this story. Jericho was a church town. Jericho in those days, in Jesus' days, was where the priests and the Levites primarily dwelt. It was a bunch of religious people that lived there. And so the story goes that there's a man walking on a road from this place, Jerusalem. And on this road, he's overtaken by robbers and he's beat to the point that he's left practically dead. And a priest, a priest, an expert like this man, walks by and he goes, ooh, Can't touch this. No way. So he steps aside and he keeps moving. Then a Levite who worked in the temple walks by and he sees this guy on the ground and he goes, I'm not getting anywhere near that. That's not my problem. I gotta keep it moving. But then all of a sudden, a Samaritan gets infused into the picture. Someone who doesn't belong, someone who by right, so to speak, shouldn't even help this Hebrew. You see, back in those days, Samaritans were referred to as dogs they were they were they were discriminated against they they were reviled, they, they were they were they were they held no value in the eyes of of Jewish, uh, 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 Jewish people in those days, and so this This Samaritan is infused into this story, and he comes upon this guy who's down and out, who's left for dead, and the Bible says that he has compassion on him. He has compassion on him. Now, the scriptures don't implicitly tell us this, but here's what's interesting, that the person that's on the road is probably a Jew himself. He's coming from a church town. Maybe he's a priest. Maybe he's a Levite. Maybe this is someone who was going there and and had gone to present some offering, some sacrifice to worship, whatever the case is. But no matter what the case was there, this Samaritan has compassion. In other words, he puts himself in this person's shoes and he probably says to himself, even though this is my sworn enemy and you're probably reviling me right now and you're saying, don't touch me, you dog, I'm going to help you. And so he extends himself to this person, and he does more than just say, hey, you okay? Let's check his vital signs. This guy doesn't call someone to help him. He says, no, I'm going to help him. And so he extends himself to the extent that he incurs cost. He takes his precious oil and wine, which was quite valuable in those days, and he pours it on him. He bandages him, bandages him up, and then he places him on his own animal. In other words, he got down so that he can be up. What a concept in the world today. And then he takes him to an inn, and he stays with him the night, just to make sure he's good. And then the next day, because he's got to go, you know what he does? He says to the innkeeper, hey, i really got to go take care of something, but this guy's life is valuable to me. And so let me take of what's valuable to me in my pocket of my time, of my resources, of what God has done in my life. And let me give you this. Just in case you incur any other costs, here's here's for that. And anything else you incur, charge it to my account. I'm faithful to do it. Now, I want you to notice something about this. That this expert was seeking an answer regarding who was the person who was his neighbor. In other words, he's saying, in the kingdom of God, who's my neighbor? Who's the person I'm supposed to be caring for? And I want you to pay close attention to this. If we could put up verse 36 again. That Jesus responded by teaching him who was the one that was supposed to be doing the caring. Let me tell you what I mean. He says, and who's my neighbor? Who should I be loving and caring for? And Jesus teaches him and us this that the neighbor is not the person that you extend yourself to. The neighbor is supposed to be you. The neighbor's the one who loves and cares. The neighbor's not the one on the receiving end. The neighbor's the one who extends himself, extends his value and brings worth into the life of another. See, you're invaluable. You really are invaluable, but that value is not just for you. Now let me ask you a question, an important question. Is there anything stopping you from sharing your value? Let me be clear on that. Who are you investing into? Who are you helping to heal? Who are you helping to uplift? Who are you extending yourself to and looking beyond their circumstances and seeing them with eyes of compassion? See, if we could be honest, we we have the tendency to look at people based upon their circumstances and we say, I'm not getting involved in that. And what we fail to realize is that we are not seeing the value in them. It's the value that God has ascribed to them. Hey, here's a good good, good question for self-reflection. Are you valuing people like Christ died for them? So what's stopping you? See, for this expert, it was his desire to stay within the walls of religion. Now listen, if the shoe doesn't fit, then please don't wear it. But if it does, change it. So here's the question. What's your excuse? We've gotten to a space, a place in this world, and even in the times that we're in today, where we have excuses why We don't get involved. That's where we're going next week. I'm involved. And I want you to see something that there's a bigger picture here that Jesus is trying to convey to us. It's not just you should help people around you, He's revealing to us the kingdom's agenda to touch the hurting, to heal the broken. To bring restoration. And I want to be very clear on this. According to what Jesus shows us here in in the scriptures. This isn't optional. This isn't a matter of choice. Now, you, you do have choice. But in the kingdom of God, this is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. You signed up as a Christian. Welcome to the kingdom. Now, let me take that a step further. That welcome opens the door. Well said, brother. Thank you for saying that. To literally usher in Jesus into the lives of people. And so, for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to just give you just some very simple things, just three simple points about the value that you bring to others. Because you're invaluable, and we we can't stop there. See, you bring invaluable experience. Let me tell you what I mean. You bring invaluable experience. You have had personal experiences with Christ. I can look back just one year ago, And I can say, Lord, you did this in my life. You've done that in my life. Lord, you've healed this area. Lord, you've brought restoration in this area. God, you're opening these doors. All this has happened in a span of time. God is always at work. We all have experience. In the days of Israel's captivity, God used a man named Daniel who had a great experience with God. And this guy, Daniel, was so impacted by his relationship with God that he was a vessel used to reach and touch the life of a pagan king called Nebuchadnezzar. But let me tell you how that value worked that was deposited. Listen to the words of Nebuchadnezzar himself in Daniel chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. This is a man who was full of pride. This is a man who was a pagan. This was a man who did not know God but came to a revelation and personal experience with God because somebody shared their experience. He said, it is my pleasure. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs? How mighty his wonders? His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion, his rule is what it's talking about, endures from generation to generation. Is there anybody in the house online today that you can testify to the majestic power, the hand of God working in your life, his mighty wonders, his glorious signs? Now get this, this is a guy who did not know God and had an experience with God. And Nebuchadnezzar Nebuchadnezzar had an experience with God that changed his life and added great value to it. But listen to what we learned from this guy who was brand new to all this. It impacted him so much that it became necessary for him to share his experience. Now get this, we don't know much about the Samaritan. But what we, knew, what we do know is that he was on his way from Jericho. Let me tell you what I mean by that. He had been in a place where there were people seeking God. We don't know what happened when he was there, but what we do know is this. That he left from there, and when the opportunity presented itself, and there's always opportunities... There's always opportunities. When the opportunity presented itself, whatever experience this man had had with God, whether it was in Jericho, and I'd like to believe that something happened in Jericho. I'm not saying that's gospel. But I'd like to believe something happened. See, when you get in the presence of God, when you get in the presence of people seeking God, no matter their ulterior motives, when there's an environment where seeking God is the reason, the purpose that we exist... Something happens, and this guy was so impacted that when he saw the opportunity, he sees this man who's his sworn enemy. He puts down his flag of offense. He puts down his his biases, and he says, I will serve you. I will lift you. I will help you. I will reach out to you. I will invest into you. Listen, just like Nebuchadnezzar, this Samaritan went beyond his experience with God. He dared to reach another. I want to just be crystal clear with this, and I say this in complete love. Go beyond your experience with God so that someone else can experience God. We are not called to sit within four walls. For those of you that have been around here long enough, you know this about Church of the bridge. That's not who we are. We're true to that vision, connecting with God, connecting with people and connecting with our community. And get ready because in 2021, we're, upping we're up in the ante. We're up in the ante. We're up in the ante. See, you can do that too. You you can be that believer who has an experience. You can be that person who's had experiences with God and get out of your comfort, the comfort of your experience with God so that someone else can experience it too. Listen to what Psalm 107 verse 2 says about you and me. It says, let the redeemed of the Lord, let the ones who have been redeemed, who have been brought back, who have been healed, who have been restored, who are in right relationship with God, who love God and love people, let those people say of the Lord... Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Whom he has redeemed from trouble. In other words, it's saying, you who are redeemed, there's something you should be saying about what God is doing in your life. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to do that. You know, I don't, I don't know how to articulate I'll give you a great starting point. Start by sharing how today impacted you. Start by sharing what today's message compelled you to do an application and what the result was of that. Let me take that a step further. Start doing what the word says. That's attractive. That's attractive. Listen, your journey with Christ is no small thing. Your victories through Christ are no small thing. What God is doing in your life right now is no small thing. We have to share this good news. You have invaluable experience but that value can't be maximized if you don't invest it into someone. You know, this whole pandemic situation has served as a great excuse for many people to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't touch this. Listen, Jesus touched the leper when nobody else dare to. I'm just saying. This is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. This is the kingdom of God. We are not called to hoard our value. The next thing I want to share with you is that you bring invaluable influence Proverbs 18, 16 says this, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Now listen, you have great gifts. That's what the scripture says. And as you use these gifts, they make room for you before great men. You know what the scripture's revealing there? How influence works. How influence works. It's interesting to note that the Bible does not say that this man's education That a man's network of relationships, it doesn't say anything else makes room for him. It says a man's gift. And according to the scriptures, you can check that out on your own time. Each and every one of us has a gift. Even if it's just one, we are all gifted because we are made in the image of God. Here at Church of the Bridge, we have a gift. And I'm not boasting on us. Let me be clear on that. But we do have a gift. A gift to serve and impact the community around us. We believe that wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. And that gift originated with God impacting me, impacting my wife, Pastor Nett, impacting our family. Listen, we were serving community before this was even a thought. That's just how God built us, that's what what this kingdom is about. We take that seriously. But let me tell you the beauty of that because I'm not boasting on us. When we first came to this city, we decided that it was necessary to understand people, to understand issues, to understand community, and more importantly, to extend ourselves to make a connection with it. And so we joined a coalition of over 140 organizations and we went faithfully month after month. We're still involved in, in that coalition. That's another resource through which we funnel resources, your tithes, your offerings, your gifts, your talents, your time. And so we started there, and here's the beauty of it. We, We didn't realize that what we were doing was making room, but watch this, it wasn't room for us. It was room for you, for me, for influence in this region influence. You know what that looks like today? You got people like a a Doris and Teresa that every week, every month, they, they, they get here, they make the calls, they organize people, and we do our first Wednesdays where we're feeding people in the community. And man, they keep coming and coming and coming. This past one, we had over 200 people come to pick up meals, And for those of you that have been around, you know that pre-pandemic, what we did is we turned this place into a fine dining restaurant, and we served people, and we loved people. We gave them menu options. We treated them with the utmost respect. We will always do that. It's made room for people like this guy right here, Alan, man. Every Sunday, he comes to first service. He wants to be here for second service. He comes to first service, and you know what he does after he leaves here? He walks out these doors and he goes to serve people. He sits with them at McDonald's. He talks to them about Jesus. He feeds them. This is what we're built for. It, it's like people like a who's not here right now. Listen, this guy says, man, I just want to serve people. Every Friday, he steps out on the streets, man. He's bringing them a hot breakfast. He's loving on them, he's praying for them. He's declaring the goodness of God. This is what we're called to, ladies and gentlemen. And there's so many others. Listen, we started just with a heart to love God and love people and God brought people with that heart. It's the reason why you're here. Stop being comfortable. Use your gifts. I'll tell you how influence works. You know, we've made a lot of advances over the years. And I'd I'd love to say You know, many people say, oh, Pastor, man, you know, the way you guys do things, man, I got nothing to do with it. You know what? You know what's been happening here? God has been answering prayers. That's brought people that say, you know what? We should go live. We should live stream. And I'm like, man, I don't even know how to do that. I don't want to think about it. I'll do it. We started off with an iPhone. We're running professional grade TV cameras now. But listen, listen, listen to this. That's not, that's not the big deal. There are people that are coming here, that, that are sitting here right now. And there are those that are joining us online. And there are people that are connecting with us. That it all started because somebody said, I can do that. Or I may not know how to do it, but I'll find out. You see how influence works? What I want you to see is that influence is progressive. It doesn't stay where it starts. That's how the kingdom works. And the last point I want to leave with you is this, is that you bring invaluable healing. You bring invaluable healing. Listen, the Samaritan did so much more than provide us an example of our high call to serve others. The Samaritan teaches us the purpose for our value, to bring healing and restoration to others. And we're in a day and age right now in our country, just in the United States, never mind the world, where there's genuine hate. I mean, there's real division. There are lines that have been drawn. There are people hurting and there's a need for restoration. And let me tell you something. While we have leadership in this country, what we need is to get back to the solution that Christ Shows us from the scriptures Be the neighbor Bring the healing Stop depending upon the system of men For what God has called you to do There is no man Outside of Jesus Christ That can bring unity in this country There is no system That can restore This country, our nation, this world, it's Jesus Christ. But listen, it's Jesus Christ in you. Let's stand here today. Father, today we just thank you for your word. It is truth. And Lord, I know that in the hearing of your word, there is an opening of the eyes of men. There's a release of power. There's a revelation of truth. And there's a call to action. And today, Lord, we just want to take this moment to consider the word of your grace, the truth that you've given us. And Lord, right here, right now, In light of your truth, we respond with a genuine heart. Right now is your opportunity to make that choice. To say, God, I will go where you send me. God, I will do what you've called me to. God, not just in this moment because I'm I'm a little excited because my emotions are raging right now. Because I feel like, like I should be doing something. No, 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 no. I'm in this for the long haul, God. No matter who's by my side, no matter who steps up and who doesn't, no matter what it looks like in front of me, God, I will do it. It's very possible that there's someone here today and you're hearing this message and you're going, man, I, I, I never realized how valuable I am, but, but there's value for me to discover, thank you, because God wants to use me and my life to invest into another I'm a world changer I'm a difference waiting to happen if that's you and you've never known Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior but today you find yourself compelled at the feet of Jesus to say God I need you yeah. here's what you need to know that God so loved you that while you were still a sinner he said you're my child And what he did was, because he loves you so much, he addressed the very thing that separated you and him. It was sin. How did he do that? It took a man to mess it up. It took another man to make it up. And God came in the form of a man through his son Jesus. And what he did was this. He took on the full weight of sin and paid the price of death for it. But he didn't stay there. He rose up. Not just to prove that he is God, but to prove that you can rise up from where you are today. If that's you and you believe that with all your heart, then declare this with us as we close out in prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the son of God. I believe you love me. I believe you died for me. To pay the price for my sin. And you rose again. Today I declare you are my lord you are my savior you are my god and i will go where you send me i'm valuable but i'm adding value to others now come on now if you believe that we're celebrating the goodness of god and working your life we thank god for all he's done now father we thank you for your word we thank you for jesus and the truth that you've imparted to us in jesus name Amen, amen, God bless you. We'll see you again next Sunday. Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also wanna encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.